And the rest of you, I want you to take out your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. We're going to talk, Mike and I are going to talk today about the type of church that God uses. The type of church that God uses. Let me ask you a question. What are churches made up of? Think about that for a moment. Churches are made up of people. You are the church. I am the church. This building is not the church. This is just brick and mortar. We are the church, and you'd be amazed at what God can do through ordinary you. If you get yourself usable. You ever think, does God still use people like he did in Bible times? See, we tend to think that God only uses special people. But you know, from God's vantage point, you know what he thinks? I use available people. Are you available? When you make yourself available, God calls you special. Look at Genesis, or actually look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. It's here on the screen. By faith, Noah, Mike and I are going to talk about this available servant of God named Noah today. He was the church of his day. By faith, Noah built the ark. How do you build an ark by faith? Well, you get out a hammer, and you get out a saw, and you get out some gopher wood and some nails, and you start putting that thing together. And you put one door in it, you put one window in it, and when God says go in, you go in. That's how you build an ark by faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not, watch this, not yet what? Seen. Well, what were those things that have not yet been seen? Did you know it had never rained before the flood? God watered the earth through a mist, a totally different irrigation system. No rain. And God says it's going to rain, and Noah says, what's rain? Well, you'll see. There was this big firmament. There was this canopy in the sky. And he's going to call the waters from the deep and the fountains from above to clash together. And there's going to be a flood, a worldwide flood like you've never seen. And so you've got to get an ark ready. What's an ark? Well, it's like this big boat thing. Really? He'd never seen a flood. Here they are, never having rained. And yet he's got to build an ark. And he, how's he build that ark? In holy fear, built an ark to what? Save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness. That comes by faith. Now, why did God choose Noah? If you were God, what kind of person would you choose to start repopulating the earth all over again? Because he's got to do that, right? Would God choose you? Why did God choose Noah? Look at 1 Chronicles 16.9 up here on the screen. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. What's that mean? God's always looking. There's never a time that God doesn't know where you are, who you are, and what's going on. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God looks at the heart. And what's he looking for? He's looking for commitment. And when he looked down at the earth in Noah's day, he found a man whose heart was committed to do things God's way. 
I love that about Noah, a corrupt world, and yet his heart was right toward God. What kind of people does God use? God uses people, number one, who are available. That's the number one criteria. Noah wasn't perfect by any means, but he was willing to be used by God and serve God in whatever capacity God needed him in. And God needed an ark builder. And Noah said, okay, God, Genesis 6, verse 5, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Could you imagine living in Noah's world? Where all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all of your co-workers... From the time they got up in the morning to the time they went to bed at night, only thought about evil all the time. That was Noah's world. The Lord was grieved. They had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. God grieves at the sins of his people. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created, have created from the face of the earth. How did he do it? How did he wipe them out? Through water. But Noah, thank God for the butts in the Bible. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And God's eyes, availability is more important than ability. In God's eyes, availability is more important than attitude and even aptitude. We use our aptitude all the time to get out of things, don't we? We say, oh, I'm not qualified. Oh, God can never use me. I can never do that. I can never serve in that capacity. Oh, don't you bet on it. You make yourself available and watch and see what God can do through ordinary you. He will use you, but you got to make yourself available. And that's the one thing Noah did. He says, Here am I, Lord. I'm I'm usable. Anthony Campolo was invited to speak at the university, at a university, not the university, but at a university, uh, let's just say somewhere in Pennsylvania. And before he got up to speak, um, some of his Christian buddies said, you know, Anthony, let's get you prayed up. And so they had a little prayer for him behind the the curtain before it was opened up, and they're all praying over him and saying, Lord, help Anthony do a really great job tonight. Help him to to speak your word and maybe reach some folks here. And and one fellow during the chain prayer said, Oh, and and Lord, Bert Harris needs you right now. Bert, Bert Harris is thinking about leaving his wife and his family. You know, Lord Bert, the guy that lives over there on the highway that heads out of town there on the corner in that yellow trailer... And that piqued Anthony's interest because on the way into town, he, he came in on that highway. He saw that yellow trailer. Didn't think any much, anything more about it. The guy finished his prayer, and Anthony went out, spoke, did a wonderful job. And on his way home from the university that night, he headed out of town on that highway. And there was a guy hitchhiking. And Anthony thinks, well, you know, I'll stop, pull over, bring him in, share the gospel with him. And so the guy hops in the car, and Anthony reaches over, shakes his hand. My name's Anthony Campolo. What's your name? He says, my name's Bert Harris. Whoa. Where'd you hear that name before? Remember the prayer? Well, he does a U-turn. And the guy goes, where are you going? He says, I'm taking you back to your wife and your family whom you're trying to leave. 
He said, that guy just turned white. Didn't say another word. And he pulls right into that driveway of that yellow trailer. And he says, how'd you know where I lived? He said, God told me. And, and really, in a way, God had, right? Remember the prayer? And they went into the house. And Anthony got his wife out, burnt together. And they reconciled. They became believers in Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus, even to this day. Praise God. Amen? And you say, well, how come God never uses me like that? I, I want to be used by God. Why doesn't God ever use me like that? Folks, you've got to get yourself usable. You've got to make yourself available. If you make yourself available, I guarantee you, God will wear you out. Some of you want to give a testimony. Where's Deborah Abriola and some of our ladies that work the Snack Shack and all our, the, the Matzes and the Keith and Jan Doolittle and all the folks that help make up or go week in and week out. God's wearing them out, using them up to his glory. You think God's going to forget their service? You think God's going to forget everything they're doing? No way. And God will not forget even if you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. Make yourself available, folks. God needs, doesn't need superstars. God needs ordinary people who are willing to be used by God. Mike, come on up here. Mike's going to make a couple more points, and then I'm going to wrap it up here in just a moment. We thought the first week together, Mike and I should share the pulpit. He's going to preach the whole deal next week. I'll do the week after that, and then I'm not sure what we're going to do after that. Maybe a couple of weeks each. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Don't forget to give me this mic back. I don't think he meant what you thought he meant just there. Thank you, Bruce. There's a lot that I would like to say prior to me uh, starting with the message, but I don't want to interrupt the, uh, the message too much. I just want to say it's such a blessing to be here. You know, we mentioned that for a year and a half we've been talking about merging the, the, uh, the congregations, and the fact that it's here, it's a little surreal, and we are certainly grateful uh, to meet everybody and to have a chance to, uh, to fellowship this morning. And we really look forward to seeing what God has for us. Uh, I think we made a decision a while back not to uh, close the door at the, uh, at the idea or this possibility of merging the two groups. And I think uh, it was the right choice. We've sought the Lord's direction. And now that we're actually here, it's, uh, it's just a true blessing. And we hope that God would... Uh, do with us, as we are talking about this morning, what, kind of, what type of church God uses. We want to be that type of church. We want to be the church that God uses. We are not looking to be the biggest church. We are not looking to be anything other than what God wants. And that is, He wants to use the church to continue His work. I know that uh, you went through Acts not that long ago. So did we. And Luke, the author, talks about how His narration uh, in the gospel according to Luke, he says, he starts it off by saying, you know, I'm about to write to you, paraphrasing, everything that Jesus both began to teach and do. And the Lord started the work, and when he left, he left the church. And we are the church. We are to continue the work that God has started. And that is the work of redemption, to tell people about the good news of salvation. There's no greater calling than that. So what type of church does God use? And I think the application for all of us here is, once we look at these four points, uh, 
Pastor Bruce talked about ability, availability, not ability. And I'm going to talk about uh, our second point here is dare to be different. And we're looking at Noah. Noah was used by God in a very special way. We're all descendants of Noah, if you've never thought about it that way. We're all descendants of Adam, but we're also all descendants of Noah and his three kids, his three sons. And um, dare to be different. What is it to dare? I have a, a, a definition here. Listen to this. Because if we're talking about daring to be different, to dare is to have enough courage or confidence to do something. To have enough courage or confidence to do something. Or to not be afraid to do something. To dare to be different. Noah certainly did. Uh, I don't know if Bruce mentioned it, but it took him 120 years to build the ark, in case you ever wondered. Think about that. 120 years to build an ark. And during this time, by faith, he was obedient to this calling. I don't think we could grasp 120 years. God gave you a task, and it takes you 120 years to do, with everybody mocking you, everybody thinking you're ridiculous, everybody wondering if you've lost your mind, Everybody around you thinking you are wasting your time. What are you thinking? What about your family? Imagine the, everything that he put his family through. And all because he was obedient to God. He dared. He had enough courage and he had enough confidence and faith to do something wonderful. And he wasn't afraid to do it. He dared to be different. He didn't blend into the world. There was nobody like Noah. Everybody around there knew who Noah was, knew that crazy guy that was building a boat out of nowhere because, you know, water was going to fall from the sky. He did not blend in. He didn't just go with the flow. He didn't go with the flow. He dared to be different. He was much like Daniel, who purposed in his heart not, con- not to contaminate or defile himself with the things of this world. He made a conscious decision. And beloved, we have to do the same thing. If you're going to live for God and you're going to be the type of person that God is going to use to carry out His work, you have to make a conscious decision with courage and faith and confidence. And you'll find all of that in Christ. But you have to make a choice to say, I'm going to dare to be different. Regardless of this, what this world tells me I should value, regardless of what this society tells me I should be doing, I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. And you find His will through His Word. But you also find the courage and the faith and the strength in His Word. That is a constant battle, beloved, not to blend in with the world. In Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, after giving 11 chapters of wonderful theology and doctrine... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your body, as a living sacrifice. And then verse 2 jumps over and says, And do not be conformed into this world. Don't let the world conform you, tell you what you should be like. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, perfect and good. And that should be our natural service to God. Noah dared to be different, and that's why we're still here. That's why humanity is still around. God used them greatly. 
Beloved, if people are to be saved, think about how you came to know the Lord. We all have different testimonies. I don't mean how you came to church necessarily, but how did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And most likely it was somebody that God used, or maybe God used somebody to reach your family. That's what God is in the business of. He's in the business of redeeming people that need to hear the gospel, that need to be pointed to the cross of Christ for salvation. And He wants to use you. And He wants to use me. And it's a task that without Him we can't do. But in His strength and in His power, He can use any one of us if we're willing to just make ourselves available to Him and if we dare to be different. But we have to be very careful with the world trying to uh, conform us unto this world. There's a big danger in our church and in ourselves because ultimately every one of us make up, makes up the church. And that is to want to be like the world. And I understand the reasoning. You know, if we just become a little more like the world, if we do a little more activities like the world, if we look like them, if we act like them, maybe even talk like them and have certain things like the world, people will be attracted. Beloved, the lost need to understand that they're lost. And the only way they're going to do that is by the Holy Spirit enlightening their understanding. And that's going to be through His Word. We don't have to be like the world. We're in the world but we're not of the world. And the world needs to understand that. And right where you're at, at work, at school, when you play sports with your family, people should know you're different if you are different. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a verse that many of us are familiar with. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And that new creation needs to be seen by everybody. It is that new creation and that truth in your life that's going to attract people to Christ. We don't just want to point people to the cross and say, Hey, if you go over there, God, God can change you. And then they're going to ask you, like, How do I know He'll change me? we got to be able to say, Because He changed my life. I was once in darkness. And He transferred me. He carried me over to His kingdom. And I'm a new creation. Perfect. By no means. Did you stop sinning altogether? No. And it's not about perfection. It's about direction. And people need to be able to see that. Let me wrap up this point by saying, uh, you've probably heard this analogy or this illustration, that every Christian is either a thermostat or a thermometer. Which one are you? A thermometer just basically tells you what the temperature of the room is. It doesn't do anything else except let you know what the environment already is. But a thermostat, beloved, if you have AC at home or at work, you get to change the temperature. You, need, you get to change the environment. And as Christians, we need to be thermostats. We live our lives according to how God wants us to live regardless of what everybody else is doing. We dare to be different. What does that look like? It might look a little bit different for everybody. But beloved, if we live a life according to God's will, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb everywhere you go. What's wrong with this guy? He's nice. How come this guy doesn't talk bad about the boss? How come he doesn't laugh at our jokes? 
Why isn't he stealing like everybody else? Why isn't he cheating like everybody else? You live a godly life, a life for him, and you're going to stand out. God doesn't need any secret agents, beloved. He's got plenty of those already. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. In the last couple of years at work, I've been finding out all these people that are Christians. We've been working together for 10 years, and all of a sudden, whoa, you too? Yeah. All right. It would have been nice to know 10 years ago. Could have done something here. No secret agents, beloved. We need to dare to be different. And that's a challenge. I'm not standing up here and saying like, oh, I made a decision to dare to be different 20 years ago and my life's been perfect since. It's a daily battle. It's a daily decision in everything that we do to dare to be different for Him. And if you're lacking confidence, if you're lacking courage, you need to find your identity and your purpose in Christ. And that's where you'll find it. So, we want to be the type of church that God uses. We want to be people that God uses within the church. And so you need to make yourself available. You need to dare to be different. And uh, you also have to be willing to follow Him completely. Follow Him completely. That implies leaving everything behind. When Jesus says, come follow me, He told His disciples. You know, He saw Matthew sitting at the tax uh, office, the table with the money. And he says, follow me. Matthew sees him. And the Bible says, he left the money, the table, and he followed him. Left everything behind. Same thing with the rest of his disciples. And then you probably know that uh, if you read the, uh, the Gospels, there were people that would come up to the Lord and say, Hey, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How do I inherit salvation? Uh, the rich young ruler what must I do to be saved? How do I inherit salvation? He says, keep the commandments. And the self-righteous individual says, I have, since I was a young, young man. And then the Lord turns to him and says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Leave everything behind and just follow me. I'm enough. And his response was, he just walked away sadly, because he had too many possessions, not willing to leave them behind to be a follower of Christ implies you don't stay where you are. If you're following the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're moving. You need to be able to uh, look back and say, you know, I'm not who I once was. And thank God for that. That's a testimony to yourself. How do you know you're a child of God? Well, I'm not who I was. God has been doing a wonderful work in me. I'm not the same one. You know, years ago I would have done this. Now I'm doing this. I find myself being like this, and I wasn't like that. That's just the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you revealing Himself. And thank God for that. So, following Him completely. In Genesis 6.22, you read that Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Not half-heartedly. I don't know if you know the, the specifics of the, uh, uh, the ark. But it was huge. Three stories, if I'm not mistaken, about a football field long. What if Noah would have said, uh, you know, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you're asking me to do, but how about a little yacht instead? <laughs> little eight-seater, perhaps. Just myself, my wife, my three kids and their wives. An eight-seater. That wouldn't have been enough. 
God said, build me an ark. These are the measurements, specific measurements. Yeah, it's going to take you probably 120 years, but just do it as I said. And Noah did it. Not halfways. What if Noah would have said, like, what about if I just leave the roof out? That wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have worked. Wholeheartedly, follow him completely. Genesis 7, 5 says, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Everything. Wholeheartedly. And listen, faith is following God's instructions even when it doesn't make sense. And that's a hard one, isn't it? Faith is following God's instructions even or especially when it doesn't make sense to you or I. There's a lot of verses that I would like to share with you. But let me give you a couple of examples. I know you studied Paul not that long ago with Pastor Bruce. With Bruce, Paul, Saul. Here's a young man that conformed to the world, a Pharisee. And he excelled in everything that he did, just like his peers and his forefathers. Pharisee of Pharisees. Going with the flow, doing what everybody else did. Until his encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he was changed forever. And two, two questions Paul asked of the Lord when the Lord appeared to him. First of all, he said, who are you, Lord? And that's a very important question that we all have to make. See, we're not going to dare to stand up or dare to be different. We're not going to make ourselves available to God. And we're not going to follow him completely if you don't know him. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the God-man, the creator of the heavens and earth, the Almighty, if you don't know Him, it's going to be very difficult for you to follow Him completely. It's going to be difficult for you to dare to be different for Him. And it's going to be very difficult for all of us to make ourselves available to Him if you don't know Him. So Paul says, Who are you, Lord? And then he asked a very important second question. What do you want me to do? That needs to be the heart of every Christian. Who are you? What do you want me to do? And based of our knowledge of Him, uh, even John 17, 3, uh, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing Christ, knowing God, you will find your identity, your strength to get this courage to be different and to be willing to follow Him completely. So Paul said, who are you? What do you want me to do, beloved? Those need to be two questions in our mind all the time. Continuing knowing the Lord. That's a part of why Crosspoint exists. We want to point you to the cross. We want to instruct you. We want to share with you the word of God that we may know him better and better. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26, let me read that for you. Luke 9, 23. And talking about our need to follow him completely. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. We're here from the Lord himself. Luke 9, 23 to 26. Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and in the holy angels. The Lord himself saying, listen, if you want to follow me, there really isn't any room for half-hearted, so-so, maybe sometimes when I feel like it, only when it makes sense, Lord, just, there's no room for that. The Lord says, if you want to follow me, First, you deny yourself. And isn't that a task in itself? First, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And if you desire to save your life, you will lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life in Him, you will save it, you will gain it. That is a constant battle for all of us, beloved. We fall into the trap of blending into this world, of believing that, frankly, that Jesus is not enough. We fall into that. That is a constant uh, danger for all of us. To believe that satisfaction, purpose, meaning can be found anywhere outside of Christ. And it's a trap that we often fall into. So keep in mind, everything you need is in Him. If we are to be used for God's purpose as a church... It is because we make ourselves available, we dare to be different, and we follow Him completely. As a church, that is our purpose of every church, is to glorify God and to stir one another into good works and growth. So I'm excited to be part of Crosspoint. I look forward to seeing what God has in store for all of us. I hope that uh, whether you are a regular attendee or you're here to... uh, to see what it's going to look like. We pray that uh, we've been praying for you. And we hope that together we will continue to learn. Uh, continue to be changed by him. And continue to serve him. That we may impact this world for his glory. And uh, Bruce is going to wrap this up with the last point. Thank you, Mike. One more point and a warning. And we'll close. Point number four, never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Genesis 6-3, what about this guy named Noah? Then God said, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is what? Mortal. Mortals don't live forever. His days will be 120 years. And guess what? The point Mike already made, hey, bright minds think alike. (laughs) It took 120 years to build that ark. That's a long time. But Noah never gave up. Could you maintain your enthusiasm for 120 years? Day in and day out doing the same old thing? Imagine Noah coming home from work. And his wife says, honey, how was your, how was your day at work today? Oh, man, I'm so sick and tired of that ark. It's the same thing. Sawing, now measuring, sawing, hammering, nailing. And you know what? All my friends, all my neighbors, they retired 50 years ago. They got their gold watch, and now they come and watch me work. And, and some of them laugh, and they mock. 
And you know what? Through all of that, Noah never got discouraged. He hung in there, and he completed the job that God gave him to do. One of the reasons God doesn't use us is because we give up too soon. The first sign of problems, the first sign of pressure, we quit. Don't do that. Hang in there. God wants to use you. If you're going to be used by God, if this church is going to be used by God, I guarantee you the devil's going to show up and he's going to try to mess things up around here because whenever something good gets started, he's just right around the corner. Don't quit. Don't give up. Hang in there. Noah did exactly that. Let's, uh, let's recap these points and let me give you a warning then we'll close. How, how do I get used by God? What kind of church does God use? Well, i got to get usable by making myself available. That may mean rearranging your schedule. Some of you are just too busy to be used by God. That, that, your margins are too close to the edge. You've got too many things going on in your life. You may have to cut some things out if you're going to be used by God. Think about that. Be praying. Ask yourself, God, what do you want me to cut out? Because I can't do everything. If I'm going to be used by you, by you I need to make myself available. Number two, dare to be different. Say, Lord, whatever you're willing for me to do, I'm willing to do it, and I will commit myself to that. Number three, commit yourself to following God's plan completely. Even when you don't understand it, you know, Noah had never seen rain, so he didn't understand what rain was, but he understood the concept of a boat, because I'm sure they had some lakes or whatever around at some point. But he didn't understand the full concept, but he just obeyed God anyway. Without fully understanding it. I, I like to use tithing. I mean, we can't really relate to the ark, but maybe you can relate to tithing. What's a tithe? It's, a, it's 10% of your income. So if you've got a dollar, God says, a dime belongs to me. If you use that dime, you've just stolen from who? God. So if you've got $10, now that dollar belongs to God. Nine of them are yours. Why did God say 10%? Anyway, did you ever think about that? I don't know for sure, but I know that it's just enough to kind of make you a little squeamish, a little bit, whoa, do I go to do, to do? I can live on 90, but it is a stretch. It's a bit of a, a challenge, and it shows some faith when you do the full tithe, right? Boy, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> One of my favorite subjects is money, so you better get used to this. We talk about it all the time around here because... What kind of churches does God use? He uses giving churches. See, if we're going to do missions, if we're going to accomplish great things for God, then we've got to learn to be givers like God. You're never more like God than when you're giving or forgiving. Amen? So I want to be like God. All right, be a giver. God was a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. All right, back to my point, tithing. I want to confess something to you. There was a day in my life where I didn't always tithe. My wife and I said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's get a house. Let's get the car paid off. Let's have a child. Let's get them through college. And when we started thinking about all these things, we said, you know what? There's never going to be a perfect time to start tithing, so we better just dare to be different, commit fully, and just go for it. And you know what? We have always lived better on 90% of our income than we ever did on using it all for ourselves. A hundred percent. You say, but that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense to be true. Because in God's economy, God calls things that are not as though they are. God can stretch your 90 percent 
to go much further than if you'd have kept it all for yourself. You say, how does that work, Bruce? I don't know. I just know God. And God says, you commit yourself to me completely even when you don't understand it. Noah says, I don't understand why you're having me build this big boat, but I'll do it. I'm committed. You said do it. I'm going to do it. And then finally, never give up even when there's a delay. Now, warning. We'll close with this. Even godly people can get tripped up just before the finish line. If you learn anything from Noah's life today, you're going to learn this. There's a little epilogue in the life of Noah that we read about in Genesis chapter 9. And I quite frankly wish it wasn't there. But this righteous man of God did not end well. After the flood, he planted a vineyard. And from that vineyard, he took the grapes. And from those grapes, he made fermented wine. And from that wine, he got drunk. And he made a fool of himself. You say, well, why mention that? Why does the Bible mention that part? I like the other part of the story. By faith, Noah built an ark. I like that part. Why mention this part? Because God never glosses over his heroes. God always tells the truth, even when the truth hurts. Moses was a great man, amen? Moses was a murderer. David was a man after God's own heart. But David was an adulterer and a murderer. And Noah was a drunk. And yet God still used Noah. Here's the point. If God can use Noah, he can use you. So stop making excuses as to why God can't use you. If God can use Noah, he can use you. Noah had a problem, and God still used him, and he put him where? In Hebrews chapter 11. What's Hebrews chapter 11 all about? It's the faithful hall of fame. He's a hall of famer, even though he had a problem, even though he had a hurt, even though he had a habit, even though he had a hang-up. And that's the kind of God I worship. I don't care what your mistake has been. I don't care how many times you've fallen. You're never a failure until you fail to get up. So just keep on getting up. Maybe you've had a divorce. In an audience of this size, I'm sure there are people in here that had a divorce. That does not disqualify you from being used by God. Amen? God still wants to use you. Just get up. Keep being usable. Maybe you've had a moral problem, a moral failure. God still wants to use you. Maybe there's a habit that you haven't quite overcome yet, but God still wants to use you. Maybe you've got a temper, and God says, I can still use you. Maybe you've got jealousy issues. I don't know. God still wants to use you. Maybe you've got an inferiority complex. Like, read, read the life of Gideon. Talk about an inferiority complex. Gideon had it, and God still used Gideon. I don't care what your problem is. It does not disqualify you from being used by God. Now listen to this very carefully. It's my last line. If God only used perfect people, who would he use? Who would he use? Get it? Good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for using people who are fully committed to you, even though we're not perfect. And I just want everyone, as we close in prayer, to make four commitments to the four points that Mike and I made this morning from your word. 
Would you commit this morning and say, God, I want to make myself available to you, and that means rearranging my schedule and cutting some things out, maybe even good things, but they're not the most important things. I want to be used, so I'm available to you now, Father. And God, I need some intestinal fortitude, and I need to dare to be different and take a stand when I need to take a stand, even though the culture of the day is going a whole other direction. And maybe you can commit to saying, Lord, help me to follow you completely, even when I don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense for Noah to build an ark out in the middle of the desert, and it doesn't make sense to live on 90% of your income better than 100%. But in your economy, it makes sense. Lord, help me to be a a persistent person and and not to cop out or drop out, but to keep on keeping on and never give up. You said in your word to be thou faithful unto death and you'll give us a crown of life. Father, help us to make sure that the things that we are living for are worth dying for. Noah walked with God and so can you. If you've never had, you can have one today. If you realize you're a sinner, if you realize that you've broken God's commandments, just ask him right now to forgive you. Tell him all about it. And receive his forgiveness through faith, repentance, and baptism. Father, thank you for the example of Noah. Thank you that it's just as true today that we don't have to be perfect to be used by you. Please use Crosspoint Christian Church for your honor and glory. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing to the Lord.